0: The show's about to start.
1: Signing on? Signing on.
2: Good evening, 20th Century. This is the Wolf Whistle at 104 WPR Metro, 8 o'clock in New York City, and the moment of truth for any and everywhere else. That's right, ladies and gents, woods and wannabes, this is where the gold watches gather around their fireplaces, where the Ivy Leaguers go for their cereals, where the kings of this mortal world engage in great conversation and sell their golden soap. Check and Challenger, Defender and Shield, Greatest Show the World Has Ever Seen.
1: And I have a feeling tonight will be particularly great. Don't you as well, Jacob?
2: That I do, Eliza. This week, we're continuing our series, Great American Entrepreneurs, our way of heralding the new year of 1934. Now, we were going to get tonight's guest eventually, but per the request of our sponsors, we'll cut straight to him tonight, the man who might be the greatest entrepreneur of them all.
1: I can already feel my heart beat faster.
2: This man migrated to our country from northern England with nothing. He was just a child with two shirts and a Bible, according to one version. But now, 50 years or so later, he's created the richest steel company in the world. I speak, of course, of a man of outrageous principle. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you
0: Jonathan Mura.
2: Good evening, Jonathan, if I may be
0: so familiar. Uh, By all means, Mr. DeGrim. I'm honored to be with such a prestigious company. With yourself and Miss... Miss... Uh...
1: Eliza Astor, at your service.
0: Miss Eliza Aster, of course.
2: The sentiment is warmly reciprocated. You're an inspiration, Mr. Mirror, partly because you're a contradiction. A man who made his fortune in the greatest depression in economic history. But don't take it all from me, folks. Mr. Mirror, please, tell America about the business of steel.
0: Well, I suppose steel is just like any other business out there. When you provide a good or service to the customers, they will always gravitate towards the finest good or service in the market. But in other ways, this business is quite a bit different. Steel, you see, is not some niche product, some fad. If clothing is doing business, that means those clothes are in fashion. Like the dress worn here by the beautiful Miss Asta.
1: Mr. Mura, are you trying to charm me? <laughs>
0: what? It looks fetching on you. You were in quite the hurry earlier. I saw you bounding through the commissary like a fleeing deer.
2: You did only get here a minute before we started,
0: it is true.
1: Just a last minute meeting with a source. Don't worry, I'll enlighten you both soon enough.
0: Quite the sight it was. Ah, to be young again. Uh, back to what I was saying. If clothing is doing business, that means those clothes are in fashion. If food is doing business, that means the people need to eat. But if steel, if steel is doing business, Mr. DeGrim, so is America. Strong steel companies mean growth across all sectors. Skyscrapers, railroads, happy workers, and cheap cars.
2: Well said, Mr. Muir. Why, just a few blocks from this studio, they're hard at work with a new one.
0: Uh, That they are. For over two years, the Constance Tower has been the sole focus of the Murad Company.
2: For those who don't live in the city, the Constance Tower is a major construction project off Park and 58th. When completed, the Constance Tower will stand a whopping 103 stories above the ground. Now, of course, the mirroring Company's only physical contribution to the thing is steel, but the listeners might be interested to learn that Mr. Mura is funding the entire project personally, writing all the checks for countless firms involved. Yes, I bet you think it's crazy, but at three quarters Quarter's completion, let me tell you, folks, Mr. Mirror's Pet is the most magnificent craziness I have ever seen.
1: It is a lovely addition to the city view, beyond doubt.
0: You flatter me, Jacob. I was thrilled when my communications agent said this show requested me. I can't seem to escape talk of it. Wolf whistle. Next best thing to being in Hollywood, Jonathan.
2: I speak the truth. Here at 104 WPR Metro, we've committed our microphones to the task of fighting this economic calamity. Restore our savage morale by bringing our national paragons to stand as lighthouses in these stormy times.
1: To reiterate for our listeners, this was the founding purpose for this show. A chance to sit down and talk directly with the most prominent people in the country so our listeners may come to know the human voices that guide their destiny. Many said we couldn't do it, Radio is for soaps and cowboy shows. People will never listen to something as dry and dreary as this. And yet they have. Almost a million per episode. And here we are.
2: And here we are. And we've started our most exciting series yet, directly addressing the dire state of the economy. Now, you may think I am but a voice crackling behind the wood, but I've seen the soup lines. I've seen dirty children crying in the alleys. I see in their eyes they need to believe there's hope in sending another job application, in saving a few pennies rather than seeing a movie to numb the pain. So I take this seriously. Of course, as one should. And I think you might provide that much-needed spark of hope, Mr. Muir. But that means I must honor my duty to give my listeners the truth. You said earlier that healthy steel companies signify healthy countries. But this depression has the nation dying in the sick ward. Why now? Why take the supply labor? Why take the money to build the world's largest structure in the middle of the world's greatest economic crisis? I mean, even in good times, it'd be a headache to get all those beams to the site. And when you add labor costs to that, well...
0: Oh, that's not a problem.
1: You don't say.
2: Eliza, forgive me, I forgot you were even there. But I do agree with her, Mr. Miro. This can't entirely be a Sunday stroll in the park.
0: Well, obviously it's not without its challenges. But they are manageable. I've created an organization that has, among other things, wonderfully efficient transportation and logistics departments. In addition to that, I also have some of the industry's best running my labor pool. It's actually the city itself that gives us the most grief. Ever tried to build a skyscraper, Mr. de Overpaid aldermen will bury you alive. Health codes, fire codes, noise levels, traffic considerations, etc. ad infinitum.
2: A fair point, Mr. Mira. You'd think that local governments would open their doors to businesses in a time like this, but I think we can all agree that building the world's largest skyscraper in the middle of its largest city is actually quite hard. Why New York City? Why the world's largest building? And why, for God's sake, are you the one paying for it all? All these questions hint at more personal motives.
0: Uh, Like you said, the project is difficult. Uh, Most certainly difficult. But it is not a problem. This project's difficulty is exactly what motivates us. God knows that in times like these, with all these layoffs and uh, soup lines, people need vast and fearless examples. Yes, things like this will thicken the city's blood. The college cattle of the world would theorize and daydream about how someone else should solve the world's problems. I would stand against the grain, provide hope, Lead, as you will. uh, By example.
2: I knew you were the right person to bring on for this series. If I wasn't welded to this damn microphone, I'd leap to my feet and salute you right now. You're too kind.
0: And you're too modest.
1: Pardon me, Mr. Mura. A question just
0: occurred to me. Uh, Why, yes. Lovely Miss Eliza, what is it?
1: You said this project's difficulty motivates us speaking in plural. Who else is motivated by this project's difficulty, besides yourself?
0: Look at that attention to grammar. The lovely Eliza would be a wonderful schoolteacher.
1: Just an innocent question.
0: Well, then here is your answer. I was referring to my senior managers, my accounting department, and my top shareholders. They understand that the glory that will come of this project justifies the struggle and expense. To say nothing of the example it would set for the country.
1: What about the workers? Those hauling and raising the steel beams? What do they make of the struggle and expense?
0: Don't worry about them. They understand our mission. They are thrilled to be following the spirit of creation into a new world.
1: From what I understand of workers, their concerns tend to be more material than the spirit of creation of their bosses.
0: Spoken from someone who has built how many skyscrapers? Don't concern yourself with these matters. They are all being taken care of. Taken care of by strong, hard-working men who understand the sacrifices needed to shape reality. Perhaps (laughs) I could find a nice husband for you among them. A good man for a pretty girl such as yourself.
1: That sounded more like a dodge than anything. We
2: should probably get back on track now. Now, the Constance Tower is going to be 103 stories of nothing but office space. Not to push you, Mr. Mirror, but there is a point I would like to bring up to my audience. My sources inform me that the Constance Tower has only attracted a few tenants thus far, leaving the vast majority of the building empty.
0: Uh, That's correct. With the economy so low right now, businesses are unwilling to take risks and invest in new spaces. That is fine. I am patient. The shadow of my tower will loom reassuringly. Eventually, they will have faith and come. A
2: fascinating point of philosophy. I'd like to divert here and bring up something you said earlier. You mentioned the college cattle of the world. First off, aren't you one yourself? I have here a note, and don't ask me from where, that says you attended Columbia a few decades back. Now, obviously you're a sharp fellow, but... At the same time, these opponents of your actions must be sharp fellows as well. And yet, they are the ones writing pieces denigrating you in the Atlantic and the New York Times while you are building the world's largest tower. What led you down the path to being a man of action rather than a man of contemplation? What essential things must a man learn in order to become so accomplished and, as always, don't hold back?
0: Well, uh, to answer your first question, yes, I did, in fact, attend and graduate from Columbia. Class of 09. No, that's wrong. I'm sorry. 89. Summa cum laude.
2: Impressive. Eliza and I are actually both Colombians ourselves. Uh, Barnadian for her, I suppose, but same thing. Why, yes, I came all the way from rural Michigan, and Eliza, on the other hand, came from rural Kansas to this temple of learning in the world's greatest city. Clearly, It's not good enough. After all, we're the ones giving the questions at this glorified rumor mill, and you're the one answering them.
0: Oh, you flatter me, Mr. DeGrim.
2: I don't flatter, Mr. Mira. I observe.
0: You observe well, then. Uh, Yes, I am a Colombian, but I am also a student of the steel mills, of shrieking stoves and thundering furnaces. I worked in the steel mills as a laborer during summer break, while my classmates dandied about on the seaside resorts. From the beginning, I was a student of two teachers, a child of two worlds, and I always knew I was meant for something beyond
1: both. How long have you had that little speech prepared? Something below both is more like it.
2: (laughs) You little chatterbox. Give other people the opportunity to speak. I'm kidding, of course, folks. Eliza and I go way back. But yes, that is very well said of you.
0: Poetically, Thank you. I've tried my hand at the study of rhetoric and oration. Being well-spoken can be helpful in business scenarios.
1: Like getting the Constance Tower financed?
0: Yes, like financing business projects. Determination is more important, though. Are you normally this rude to your guests? If only you were as professional as Mr. DeGrim here.
1: No, we're actually normally quite polite. But I think you're worthy of special treatment.
2: All right, you two rein it in. We are running a show, after all. So, what did you do after you graduated from Columbia? I imagine it was something a little more humble than what you have now.
0: Well, soon after I graduated, the managers at the mill I worked at promoted me to bookkeeping. After about a year in that department, I won a job as a foreman after my predecessor was injured. From there, I gradually rose through the management ranks. Floor manager, assistant manager, and finally, shop manager.
2: This was the mill that you ended up owning, correct?
0: Was that the mill? I don't recall. Well, whatever mill it was, it was owned by the ba- Bardman Brothers, for whom I was an executive in the middle stage of my steel career. When mismanagement and the Depression bankrupted the firm, I emerged with a vast amount of capital and quickly played the market before my competitors could do the same. Yes, Muir Steel started small, just a single integrated mill outside Youngstown. But the fact that I could deliver higher quality goods at better prices couldn't remain a secret for long. And here I am, getting the questions, as you so expressly articulated.
2: And here you are indeed. But where are you going?
0: Well, I think I have a plan for that. But at the moment, the Constance Tower is the primary recipient of my attention.
2: It all comes back to the tower. If you don't mind my saying, I think you invest a lot of yourself in that project. You see it as your masterpiece.
0: Of course I do. It is the culmination of my life's work. And that is? Study and strength. Discipline and self-denial. That is my answer to your earlier question of what a man must learn in order to become as accomplished as uh, myself. Uh, hmm. You must go further into that pursuit than you thought possible. It must become like a religion of which you are always leaping into with faith. Most men uh, like to think of themselves as hardworking, but they have nothing to show for it. The only proof of the content of your spirit is what you build of your life. There is nothing, nothing else. The molten spirit must become material steel.
1: I believe there's more to your little creed than study and strength.
0: You have no right to say that. Really? Of course not. From the outside looking in, you might feel baffled by my success at this. But I assure you, if you ever try and build something of your own, you will come to understand. The wealth of this country is proof of that. The foundation of the modern world under your very feet are proof of that.
1: The wealth of this country in the midst of a terrible depression? I'm sure the listeners would be curious to hear how that came about. I already
0: told you. I played the game well. People will be inspired when they realize my wealth could be their wealth. If they will give themselves over to the fire it, So all
1: those starving and downtrodden are only temporarily embarrassed millionaires? You omit quite a lot when you speak of your designs, Mira. Not everyone is lucky enough to gamble with the world's largest building as if it were a stack of poker chips.
0: Luck. Luck is the god little men gaze up at from the muck of their own failures and curse for making them so weak. There is nothing, and I repeat, nothing that a man's spirit cannot overcome. The pure, unmuddy quality of spirit. Only the fire can make the spirit molten, and only the cold and naked air can make it harden into steel. Not that you'd know anything about that, Miss Radio Host. <laughs> the Constance Tower is a realization, an affirmation of all these things that I have learned built into the sky by the same spirit as this country, forever stalwart against the truest of time's ravages. Brilliant, isn't it? I may overlove my child, but how couldn't I? It's my legacy. Long after I'm gone, God will still have my splinter in his eye. Long after I'm gone, the people will walk down the streets and see my spine, my creation. Do you see that? Do you know who built that, son? I think I do. Constance, Jacob, my tower will live up to its name.
2: I'm not one to give out an endorsement readily, but you have inspired me, sir. If this is the course needed to right our country, then I wish you the best of luck.
0: Thank you, Jacob. But, like I said, I don't believe in luck.
1: I've heard enough. The entire time it's been like this. I am great. I am God. All mankind shall low in my metal shadow. Bravo, great and noble sir. How fantastic art thou in thy machinations. Pathetic! Every word. What do you think, audience? Does it strike you as peculiar that the world's greatest businessman decides to create the world's greatest building now, when there isn't one among you who hasn't known a starving man, a jobless man, a desperate life driven to despair? God above, the unemployment index just hit 34% and his great face barely cracks. Does he care about your plight, ladies and gentlemen? No, he laughs at it. He just sees it as something that'll make his tower stand taller by comparison. Your children will have to live under his derangement the rest of their lives. This is our guest,
2: for God's sake.
1: Does it strike the rest of you as curious that the Depression has left this industrial captain as his own and only customer, yet he leaps forward with this difficult project without care or concern? Things like this don't happen, ladies and gentlemen, they simply can't. Not without a catch. (sighs) What is the catch, Mr. Mira? You've told our audience about everything else. Maybe they'd like to know that as well.
0: (laughs) Yes, Miss um uh, oh god. Not again.
1: Eliza Aster.
0: Yes, Miss Eliza Aster. Miss, is it? Must have scared off all the potential husbands. (laughs) Uh, I suppose if it is so important that you be satisfied, uh, there is a catch. The catch is that I'm paying for it all, and that I can afford to pay for it all. What can I say? You caught me red-handed. The only person you're making a fool of is yourself.
1: So you're paying for everything. How has business been? I would think that the Depression would have cut your customers to a tithe of your usual fare. But then again, you are Jonathan Mura. Perhaps business is booming. Perhaps there are plenty of egomaniacs out there who need steel for their personal monuments. Liza,
0: dear lord, Receipts are down, yes. But that doesn't mean my company is crippled. I've saved and invested diligently my entire career. Saved
1: and invested diligently into what? The failing banks? The plummeting stock?
0: (laughs) Oh, you simple little girl. To think every financial reserve has been compromised. (laughs) Ha! I happen to have a secure account at a very secure bank. My finances are fine.
1: You said earlier that this tower barely has any tenants. This colossus of yours has yet to provide a penny's worth of
0: profit, has it? Profit is not the point. Principle is...
1: Are you taking on any other projects? Any other big plans to refill your coffers? Because, from the sounds of it, you have nothing but your savings and your dwindling sales to pay for this monstrosity. What's your ace in the hole? Some method of cutting costs, perhaps?
0: What would I cut? And how would I cut it? Straightforward is the only way I can pay for this project.
1: Are you sure about that?
0: Most sure.
1: Well, that's funny. Guess who it was I spoke with in the commissary, Jacob? A real promising lead... An anonymous source from Hooktown. Hooktown.
2: a small immigrant town on the Hudson, about 17 miles north of the Bronx. For those New Yorkers among you not familiar with your own metropolitan area. Now, please, this was a very energetic volley, you two. But if you'd be so kind, I'd like to return to the topic at hand. My
1: new friend in Hooktown says she lives next to hundreds of your workers. And does she talk about the cost you cut, Mr. Mura?
2: Eliza, must we go on like this?
1: You know we do. We're
2: not the only one with sources, you know.
1: Anyway, Mr. Mura, perhaps you could tell us about the costs <laughs> uh, you cut.
0: I have no idea what you're talking about.
2: Cut costs? I wonder what that
0: could mean. Uh, Jacob, please!
1: I think there's only one thing it could mean.
0: Uh, Jacob, perhaps there is a better format to discuss these questions. Discounts on
2: home rentals courtesy of Mr. Jonathan Murrah. What?
0: Ha! <laughs> You are a well-connected man, Mr. DeGrim. You truly, truly are. Jacob, please.
2: What? He needs to explain about
0: what goes on up there. He is our guest, after all. Then maybe it would be polite to give him the chance to do just that. Go ahead. (laughs) Thank you for your accommodating hostmanship, Jacob. No need to get nervous
2: quite yet, Mr. Muir. We're not all out to get you.
0: I have cut costs. It is true. But I have cut the costs for my workers as well. The Hooktown Camp is an extremely low-rent, low-upkeep development I built to house my workers. I believe in passing my fortune down to the benefit of others, Miss Radio Host. Those at my camp live more affordably than anywhere else in the state.
2: I'm sure their lives are as comfortable as they are affordable, Mr. Miro. This, ladies and gentlemen, is precisely the soul of my mission, bringing the voices of the powerful to the masses, so they can know directly that their fates are, beyond
0: the shadow of a doubt,
2: intertwined.
0: Jacob! Will you pipe down? You would squint and strain to find any flaw you can in the world that I build, that people like me build, in order to house people like you. You do that because it is all you are capable of doing now. Kindly, stand out of my way. As I was saying, Jacob, in order to aid with the construction of my project, I have enlisted. Conscripted? Enlisted the help of a Lithuanian immigrant community that recently arrived in this country. Around 900 industrious young men and women. Here to
2: pursue success in the land of opportunity.
0: Exactly. I understand their position completely. That's why, when I learned of their arrival, I immediately contracted their services. I knew that there had to be at least one like me among these new arrivals. At least one true young tiger with a hunger for everything in life and the steel and will to attain them. Yes, I remember when I was like that. I was such a dangerous man, so full of ideals, so full of potential. So full of- Look at all these things I've created. The things I've done. Those men are capable of just the same. The godhead you seize with your own hands. The only destiny worth having. Why else would you come here?
2: I hate to cut this short, but we do have to go to commercial. So don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back after these messages.
1: What? Jacob, how can you believe any of this?
0: Yes, 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 this mighty country. God, how I see it now. I was a rag from a languished cloth, trod into mud and famine by the boots of priests and common dogs. Then, like a warm light spreading, I heard it call my name. Jonathan. it said, Come now, your place at the table is ready. And so I went without hesitation, tramping over my homeland's desolates and across the thinking seas, searching like a marlin for whispers through the waves of an unknown dream. So thin, that golden cry that led me through the Gauls in isolation, but so unyielding, the wall to my back and so sharp the scream of, Onward! in my heart, when I feared my resolve would fail. So desperate was I for that voice. Oh, that voice of glass that had enchanted my oldest memories. And when I saw the lighthouse upon the diamond shores and heard the seagulls call, I found, (laughs) to my most perfect delight, that it had been waiting for me. America, that siren creature... If only you could see her as I do now. It's too bad we're going to commercials so soon. I have many, many ambitions and endeavors I could elaborate on.
2: Is there anything in particular you were thinking about?
0: I guess this is the real reason I came on this show. To give voice to the following dream. My success with business has showed me the rewards my dedication can reap. I will now say that I plan on aiming that inward motion towards higher peaks. Namely, the United States Senate. Now, how's that for a soundbite for your show?
2: Bravo. Great and noble sir. Bravissimo.
1: This isn't right. You know this isn't right. There's more to this than he's letting on.
0: What a show, ladies and gentlemen! What will happen next? Will Jacob finish the interview? Will Jonathan confirm his bid for the Senate? All these questions answered and more tonight on 104 WPR Metro. Stay connected, folks, and don't forget to tune in to Midnight Darger, our radio broadcast of the Grotius the Great Show and the Calamitous Calvaries, as well as all the other freaks and oddities WPR brings you from every corner of the globe. We'll be back after these short messages. Good evening, 20th century. What sort of proposal do you have to make? Of course not. We never disappoint. Dreams of the past contain nightmares of the future.